The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Initiative, Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chula Radio celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, February 15th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's WandaVision. Please welcome my co-host, Professor X. Hello, everyone. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 6, which was titled, All-New Halloween Spooktacular! Exclamation point, and debuted February 12, 2021, via Disney+. Here is the official synopsis of the episode. Disturbances on Halloween separate Wanda from Vision, who looks into anomalous activity in Westview. Now, I will say this, before I even start asking you anything, Professor, I just want to give props to the person, whether it's the Disney Plus person or the Marvel person, that writes the episode descriptions, because these are the episode descriptions that are found on Disney Plus. And they are incredibly creative at being hella vague, yet very appropriate for whatever the episode is. Like, because, yes, this actually happens in the episode, but this is like the vaguest way to say what happened in the episode. And I'm enjoying that. They're doing a really good job of being hella vague with all of these episode descriptions. You know, you could take it as... you could t- It could be anything that happens. But, you know, generally speaking... Oh, yeah, they're, they're doing a very good job in that. Yeah, generally speaking, it is what happens in the episode, though. It's hella spoiler. It's hella, not spoiler, it's hella spoiler-free is what I'm trying to say. All right, Professor, so the first thing that I want to ask you is, uh, are you a fan of the type of sitcom that was homaged in uh, this episode? Now, last week, we sort of talked about the the type of sitcom as 80s sitcom, and, and that's kind of what generally we... we considered uh, the previous episode's uh, WandaVision installment to be focused on. And this episode, we sort of jump into the 2000s. So it looks like we skipped the 90s. But then when I was sort of thinking about last week's episode, if you really think about the 90s in general, the early 90s are still hella 80s, and the late 90s basically lead into the 2000s. I don't know if the late 90s, I don't know if really 90s outside of 90s pop, I don't know if there's really anything on TV that is specifically 90s. I mean, it's still sort of a mixture of the 80s, especially towards the beginning of the 90s. So I guess maybe technically last week's episode could have been 80s and 90s, and this one could still have a mixture of 90s with its 2000 sensibilities. Um, because Malcolm in the Middle, I, I checked, 
um, debuted in on in the year 2000. Clearly, it was filmed probably in 1999 and that sort of thing. So, um, however you want to take this question, Professor, are you a fan of maybe late 90s or early 2000s family sitcoms? You know, I don't think I was watching much in the way of sitcoms at the time. Um, there have been periods when, you know, I just wasn't watching a lot of TV. And uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I've never watched an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, though I'm culturally aware of it enough to realize that that's what they were doing uh, in this episode. Um, so, yeah, it does seem like they sort of skipped over the uh, the 90s. I mean, you could have done French, you could have done Cheers. Um, but, uh, you know, because those ones, you know, don't really have the, uh, the kids in them, uh, that would have been more difficult to do. It makes more sense to jump to... Uh, uh, to uh, Malcolm in the Middle, I suppose, um, especially because that way you do get the uh, you know the kids talking to camera and stuff like that, which is uh, kind of cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what they could have done for the '90s, like Roseanne, Home Improvement, um, I, no, I'm Seinfeld. Just, well, that's not a family sitcom. They are a family. No, well, that's what I'm saying is that yeah, yeah, yeah. I but I mean, when you think about the big ones, it would be Seinfeld, Friends. Mad about you, but they didn't bring a kid in until the end. Yeah, it's 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 tricky. But I mean, you you can't argue that you know they have to do one from every decade. True. Um, you know, it's uh, I think it's better that they don't you know restrict themselves in that way because you know we got a very good episode out of it. So yes, and honestly, the uh, what's happening in the sitcom is becoming less and less important uh, than it was in the first few episodes. So you know, it's it's more a conceit on which to hang you know little plot twists and stuff like that uh, than having to carry things like it did for the first two or three episodes. Hmm, interesting. I might have to disagree with you on that uh, a little bit later on, because I feel like there's a whole lot, a whole lot of that happened during the sitcom section, which was very interesting. Uh, Priscilla's not here. I I feel like she has referenced that she has seen Malcolm in the Middle. Uh, I have not seen Malcolm in the Middle either, but I didn't realize, I mean, I understood that that's what they were, um, you know, homaging when, uh, you know, we were seeing the sitcom elements of WandaVision. Um, yeah, so, uh, Great so, theme song too, like the, the words of the theme song this time, yes. it was all about illusion and relaxing and going with the flow and everything like that. Uh, it felt much more overt. Uh, the, uh, the lyrics seemed to play a lot more into what we're knowing about what's going on in the show than it did earlier. Yes. Um, uh, before I get into that, cause I have a whole thing about the, the theme song. Yeah, I, I enjoyed what they did as far as, like, I could recognize the what they were doing with uh, Malcolm in the Middle, and I did like that, uh, I guess we skipped over the 90s, but it allowed them to take on something that started in the early 2000s, which was characters, in essence, breaking the fourth wall and talking directly to the camera, which uh, I, I thought it was kind of interesting to see, especially because uh, it was the kids talking to the camera. I believe on Malcolm in the Middle, Malcolm talked to the camera. So it gave uh, Tommy and Billy a little bit more to do, which was interesting. So let's talk about the theme song. So the theme song was hella on the nose this time. I agree with you, Professor X. And the lyrics, as opposed to previous sitcom lyrics, for, for, or previous theme song uh, lyrics for the sitcoms that we saw for the other decades, the other ones, they were, um, it was more so talking about Wand and Vision and, and, and talking about them as the characters. This one really was spot on on what's going on. And if you focused on the characters that they showed during uh, specific moments of the lyrics, 
it was just hella fascinating. Like, listeners, if you didn't pay attention to the theme song this time around, go back, put the captions on, and read the lyrics. Because when we see Wanda, it says, Don't try to fight the chaos. Don't question what you've done. Which I thought was interesting. When they showed Vision, some days it's all confusion. uh, But if it's all illusion. That was interesting. When they showed Agnes, it's like, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going through each distorted day. Which, if you have a theory on Agnes being a part of this or trying to keep things going... I mean, that fit in with that. And then when we, say, when we see Pietro, and we see him as Pietro Maximoff as himself, the lines are, though uh, there may be no way of knowing who's coming by to play. Which goes with my theory, and I think all of our theories, that Pietro is not who he says he is. Which was interesting. So they did a great job with the theme song this week. It was hella interesting, hella fascinating, and it certainly dropped a lot of clues this time around. I mean, the visuals were, were hella chaotic, so if, if the listeners didn't get the chance to actually pay attention to what the lyrics were, go back and listen. It's, it's an interesting listen. So this also, week, also this is mm-hmm. probably the last time we'll get a uh, theme song like that because when you think about it, once you go into the two thousands uh, and you know the twenty tens, you know sitcoms don't really have the sort of theme song that that sets the uh, uh, the conceit of the show anymore. It's just you know a, a quickie instrumental thing like they do in the Office or Thirty Rock or something like that, um, or even Parks and Rec. So I think for me, this might be the last time we get that sort of uh, uh, really overt clue in the lyrics. You're right about that, Professor, because I believe the next one is the Modern Family episode. And Modern Family, it's just an instrumental um, that's like maybe 15 seconds. So, yeah, this was our last taste of uh, a sitcom with a theme song that has lyrics. And I think these were the most important lyrics that we've ever gotten, to be quite honest. Outside of maybe the first one that sort of introduced uh, the, you know, the romance, the whirlwind romance of Wand and Vision and then moving to Westview and that sort of thing from the, the 50s-centric um, theme. Okay, so this was the Halloween episode. It uh, was filled with comic booky goodness for everyone out there that loves the comic books. Professor, the costumes, what'd you think? Oh, great. And like finally coming up with the justification for why the Scarlet Witch has that costume, you know, uh, a Sokovian fortune teller. Uh, and Vision, you know, is the, uh, uh, the luchador uh, sort of, you know, explaining why his costume, but also, you know, making them giving them that sort of homemade feel to them not wanda's interestingly wanda's was very professional you know visions was you know obviously you know something thrown together uh as was pietro's um so i thought it was it was great it was like you know a nod to the comics but also that sort of sense of you know it's almost like in the first x-men movie uh you know when they're talking about you know, what, what do you want blue and yellow lycra um uh, you know, so it's it was it was good. It's sort of like you know the the sense of you know what these costumes would actually look like in the real world, uh, and just how silly some of the stuff would be. Now sometimes they can pull it off. I think Spider Man has a classic look. Uh, Doctor Strange managed to pull it off, uh, but quite often, yeah, trying to take those costumes uh, from the comics uh, would look quite silly. Uh, so yeah, I, I love that. I thought it was you know very well done, and also the the justification, you know, because you you know. 
to, they have to have some sort of reason to put Vision in that costume. Uh, and to claim it's, you know, Mexican wrestling uh, was, I thought, just genius. And the kids, if I'm not mistaken, they had similar outfits to what they wear in the comics, correct? Uh, yes, uh, certainly. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because uh, 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 Billy, who is Wiccan, uh, was wearing his costume basically from the beginning, whereas um, uh, Tommy had to get his costume uh, from Pietro uh, later on. But yeah, in, in the comics, uh, um, uh, Billy is Wiccan and has that sort of, you know, that basically, you know, somewhat comics accurate uh, version of his costume, whereas uh, Speed has one that's, uh, you know, sort of a, a tribute to uh, to Pietro. Very cool. All right. They they did the damn thing when it comes to the, the costumes uh, in this episode. Everyone looked fantastic. Um, OK, so in this episode, we got a little bit of a, a taste of what is still, you know, a theme that w- that was introduced in the previous episode, which was Vision, in essence, mistrusting Wanda. And, and it's something that pretty much started, yeah, it started in the, in the previous episode, and um, especially towards the end. And in this episode, and we got in the flashback uh, in the previously on, we had that line of, you know, you can't control me or something like that, and Wanda's like, oh, can't I? And in this episode, Vision continued to, in essence, go off the script. You know, we, we had the moment at the start of the episode where um, Vision kind of gruffly alludes to, well, there wasn't anything else in my closet. And he said that in a, in a gruff sort of way. And then he, you know, then he brought on the sitcom charm and, uh, you know, sort of cleaned up the gruffness. But then, at a certain point, uh, Vision's like, okay, I'm going to do uh, the Neighborhood Watch. You know, vagrants are out there. You know, this is, it's, a, it's a hot spot for, um, you know, illicit activity, basically. And we have the line from Wanda, but what, you're not supposed to do that. And he's like, what? And then she cleans it up as well. But, but there was that moment of Wanda, in essence, losing control of... Uh, vision i mean clearly it leads to everything else that happens in the episode but was that something that you noticed on upon first watch professor yes definitely and it, it was clear you know from you know the way uh vision was playing it um and that like uh you know even at the end of the scene where he just leans in and gives uh one of that very chaste peck on the cheek um you know, it, it was obvious that, you know, he is is not being controlled by her. Uh, you know, he's going off to do his own thing. Uh, you know, they made that a bit more overt uh, later in the episode, obviously. Uh, but I thought they did a really good job of grounding that early on because, you know, it was, you know, uh, as you say, you know, Vision talking about it was the only thing in my closet, you know, more than no other clothes, but then sort of playing off the uh, the sitcom charm of it. Uh, and, you know, even the scenes where they're looking at Pietro and the kids, um, it, it was really, I, you know, Paul Bettany was walking a very, very fine line, uh, you know, in that opening scene, uh, you know, to uh, to sort of ha- having to play the sitcom character to keep Wanda from realizing what he's doing, uh, but still, you know, uh, not giving into it entirely. Uh, I thought it was, you know, really, really well done. And definitely, you know, in that opening scene, so up what was going to happen in the rest of the episode exactly now let's talk about pietro just generally because i I have a lot of questions about pietro with specifics that he does and that's said about him throughout the episode but just generally speaking what did you think of evan peters as 
Pietro basically playing a sitcom chaos agent, you know, a, a character that comes in, as he says to, to Wanda later on, to sort of spice things up, to bond with the kids, to annoy, you know, um, his sis- his sister and, and her husband and that sort of thing. What did you think of seeing just Evan Peters as Quicksilver, but as a sitcom character? He was great. And again, it's that sense of, you know, the awareness of it, because, you know, really, that was the sitcom trope, right, is that, you know, you have your established characters, you bring in the outside chaos agent to shake things up. Uh, and then you go back to the status quo by the end. Uh, I thought it was very well done. And again, just the uh, the awareness he had of it, uh, I thought was uh, uh, was fantastic. It was um uh, you know, really well played. And there, there was a lot that, that came out. I thought his his portrayal of it was really, really good. Um, you know, if uh, if uh, he turns out not to be uh, Pietro, as seeming increasingly likely. Um, I was yeah, def- I was definitely getting some during some of the scenes. I was getting some, you know, uh, interesting vibes off of him. But uh, no, he he played it, you know, really well. Because on the one hand, he was playing the chaos agent, but then he could step out of the reality. But that said, you know, like. Uh, you know, Vision has been able to step out of the reality. The kids can step out of the reality. Um, uh, her neighbor, uh, dressed as Frankenstein, was able to step out of the reality. Um, so it's it's interesting. Whereas you know, it seems that Wanda has absolute control. We're seeing that you know her control is not as absolute as we might think. Whether it's because it's people at the uh, uh, outside, you know, the the main uh, heart of the story, or whether it's because there are these characters who increasingly seem to realize they're just characters and going along with it uh, to keep her happy. And certainly uh, we, 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 we got a hint of that as well. Did the kids step out of the reality? That's, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, later on they do end up hearing stuff, but I don't think they really understand what they heard or what the one child ends up hearing. So I don't know if I agree that they stepped out of the reality. Well, Tommy obviously did at the end when he was, uh, or Billy obviously did at the end when he was, you know, sensing um, uh, um, uh, vision uh, outside the hex. I don't know if I don't know if I would call that stepping out of the reality. Well, I mean, I guess it would be stepping out of the hex, but I I, I still think he was in his sitcommy trope as the kid. I don't think he generally understood what was going on versus some of the other characters that we've seen. Uh, whatever we want to call it, stepping out of the reality, awakened, or whatever, where they seem to understand more of what's going on than they should. Which leads to Herb. So there was the line. It was a tiny line, but it was very similar to what Agnes said in the previous episode. So Herb dresses Frankenstein, doing the sitcom shtick, Neighborhood Watch, and Wanda's like, oh, where's Vision? Where is he assigned? And he's like, oh, he isn't. And Wanda seems confused because that's what Vision said. And uh, Herb, in essence, is like, you know, is everything okay? Would you like me to change anything, Wanda? And she's like, oh, no. And she seems to play it in the sitcom kind of way. But we know what Herb is saying. Uh, what did you think of that moment, Professor? Uh, really interesting again because you know we have gotten the sense that you know you know uh, uh, a couple of episodes ago where uh, Herb and Agnes are talking together and and clearly they're aware you know uh, of uh, of the reality it, it's it is str- you know it, it is strange 
Um, you know, we, we sort of, you know, had the sense that, you know, Agnes was able to step out of it. And certainly last episode, we saw that where she was, you know, do want us to go back and do this from the beginning. Um, Herb seemed to be doing the same thing. Um, and again, it's, it's interesting that there's only selected characters uh, that seem to be able to do that. But later in the episode, of course, it seems that Agnes is basically reduced to, you know, NPC status, um, you know, until uh, Vision breaks her out of it. So it, it is really interesting. Uh, I'm wondering whether, you know, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about, you know, Agnes possibly being a, uh, you know, uh, an established mystical character. I'm wondering if Herb might be as well. Very interesting. I totally disagree with you about Agnes, and we will talk about that when we get to that point, because, yeah, that, mm, interesting stuff there. I wonder, though, if Herb, now, this, what happened in this episode, I feel like it either means that Herb is maybe a mystical character, or it still has to go back to Agnes, and him and Agnes's uh, sort of their um, interaction during the uh, 70s episode, because it could have been that at that point, Agnes, you know, whatever their conversation was like, like Herb remained aware post that conversation. So he didn't go back in essence, fully under, And, and maybe that could have been a point maybe, you know, with the kids showing up, um, the kids being, uh, um, Tommy and Billy, that that was maybe a point where, um, where Wanda started losing some of the control that she had about the world around her. Maybe, I I don't know. I, hopefully at some point, especially since we are headed into the final third, the final, the third act in this, uh, nine episode, uh, series, you know, maybe we'll go back and get a, greater understanding of like what was going on underneath it all in some way, maybe flashbacks or even exposition. Who knows? All right, Professor, let's talk about this commercial. So we got a very late 90s, early 2000s kids commercial. Um, it was done in claymation. I will say that all of the other commercials that we've seen were kind of focused on uh, the typical American housewife you know, uh, a bouncy, a bouncy paper towels type of commercial, a, uh, you know, uh, a, what was it? Shampoo, uh, a body wash type of commercial, a toaster commercial. I mean, you, you could even say that the watch commercial was geared towards maybe, you know, housewives, you know, maybe getting that as a gift to their husband. But this one was centered on or focused on kids. It was a Gogurt type of uh, commercial for a yogurt called Yo Magic. We see a kid with red hair and a red outfit on a deserted island and uh, a you know they're hungry, they'll give anything, you know, to satisfy their hunger. A shark appears and uh, presents them with Yo Magic. The shark also says, you know, um, snacking on Yo Magic and the shark Gives the Yo Magic to the kid. The kid is unable to open it and slowly becomes more and more and more frail until they die without snacking on any magic. And uh, the, the tagline is something like, you know, Yo Magic for survivors. This was probably the darkest commercial that, we've, uh, <laughs> that we saw, at least yet, up to this point, on uh, WandaVision. Like, I have my own interpretation of it. Um, like, I feel the kid is Wanda. 
I feel like the shark is the big bad. I feel like the shark is leeching off of Wanda and Wanda's magic. And I feel like a lot of the, um, the symbolism about it, you know, like having the magic there in your hands, but the magic not really um, satiating uh, whatever it is that you want, uh, it is clearly directed at Wanda. What did you think of it, Professor? Is that how you interpreted it? Do you have a different interpretation? No, I, I I definitely agree. I think you know that's uh, that's the uh, the simplest and, and most obvious is that the shark is some you know the avatar of some external entity, Mephisto, Nightmare, whatever uh, that was you know hungering, uh, realized that uh, Wanda was a source of magical energy and has been you know feeding off of her. Uh, as you say, I was kind of hoping you know Brittany would be here because you know. People were talking about uh, each of the commercials in the past was tied to an Infinity Stone. I was dying to see what justification they could have for this being an Infinity Stone, uh, you know, the claymation shark. Uh, no, I thought it was uh, it was really, really interesting. Um, it, the only thing that makes me wonder about that is it does seem so on the nose, you know, so overt that, you know, when they do something like that, it's like when, you know, Monica came out and said, it's Wanda, it's all Wanda. You know, we immediately thought, well, then it can't be all Wanda because that's just too obvious. Um, you know, and we still do have three episodes left. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, it does seem much more likely that someone or something is manipulating, uh, Wanda to gain access to this energy and the, uh, yo magic is, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the manifestation of that. Yeah. I agree with you on that. Uh, I, I have read on social media people like interpreting the commercial in different sort of ways. So maybe it wasn't that uh, overt to some people. Um, that's what I got from the commercial. I will also say that um, the colors of the shark do kind of match Quicksilver's outfit. I'm just and he saying. talked in a very similar way to uh, the way that uh, Quicksilver was talking. Yes. Uh, he says something like, um, here you go, little dude. And uh, I noticed that Quicksilver said, right on, little dude, to one of the kids. So there was that as well. I kept on trying to listen to the voice, and I was like, is that Evan Peters? I don't... It sounds like him, but I don't know. And again, Evan Peters, you know, apparently, you know, did 11 characters in American Horror Story. So he's capable he did, of yes. changing his voice enough to throw us off, I'm sure. Yeah, it didn't fully sound like him, though. Because I'm a big fan of American Horror Story. He is fantastic on there, and he, and yes, he does play. Every season, it's a, it's an anthology series, so every season it's a different theme, although they are all interconnected. Um, so I've seen him play different characters, but I, I didn't sound like him as the shark. Um, but, uh, you know, it could have been. You could have gruffed up his voice. I mean, and they could have also added effects to it, which uh, deepened it a little bit. But, uh, okay, so uh, Pietro. Pietro was hella fascinating in this episode because, so he's there. He's got a different face. Wanda asks him about the different face, um, and uh, he didn't really have an answer for it. What was fascinating about their dynamic throughout the episode, because it was Wanda and Pietro paired up throughout the entire episode, she kept on asking him questions. He would never answer he would, he, I think the only time he really answered a question was like, how did you get here? And his answer was, you know, I got shot in the street like a chump, which we've seen how he died. And it wasn't like a chump. He was actually saving a kid and saving um, Hawkeye 
from uh, the uh, the Ultron robots. So he didn't die like a chump, but he's like, I was saving, you know, I was, I died like on the street like a chump, and then I heard your voice. You know what? If you die saving Hawkeye, you died like a chump. Oh, that's so wrong. That's so wrong. And hilarious. All at the same time. And he's like, I heard your voice calling, and that's how I showed up, in essence. That was really the only answer he gave, because everything else was like, oh, you know, or, or you know, um, he, he always, like, asked the question back to her. Oh, you don't have your accent. Oh, you don't have your accent. So he was trying to, in essence, leech information from her. And uh, she didn't really notice that. Um, she she did notice a couple things, though. I think she reacted a little bit when he was like, I died on the street like a chump. But then everything else, I, I think, um, intrigued her. So she sort of bypassed that. And then earlier in the episode, we saw a flashback, um, as, you know, we see on sitcoms, where, uh, you know, they're in Sokovia. They're trick-or-treating. He's got on a Nick Fury costume, She's got on a Black Widow costume? I'm asking what the question okay, I I've seen people say this online. That's nonsense. He was wearing an eye patch, and so everyone's assuming that, you know, because she has red hair, she has... She had antenna. She did have okay, antenna. Black Widow does not have antenna. And also, why would we assume that he would be dressing up as Nick Fury? Nick Fury was not famous at the time. Well, he no. was the head of a spy agency. Well, this would have been 20 years ago. Well, because the point is, it's this is all in one. This is all Wanda's creation. So it has Easter eggs of Wanda's life, like the commercials. So that's why I was like, he has to be Nick Fury. She looked a little Black Widowish just from the the clothes, but I didn't understand the antenna. And so I was trying to correlate it with the Marvel hero, but I didn't really... Uh, then I was like, Mantis? And, but then I was like, but it looked more like a bug. And then I was it like... It's anything that... more like the Wasp, I would the say, wasp? than... Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the classic comic version of the Wasp, which did have antenna when yes. she shrank down. And so, um, so, so they're trick-or-treating, and she's like, I don't remember that. And, and I think that was something... Because like it seems as if... Pietro, whomever he is, in essence has maybe Pietro's personality projected on him, but he doesn't have the memories of the past, which is interesting because it leads to my theory about Pietro. So he keeps on asking questions, and, and basically the big question that he asks is, so how did you do it? Because he's like, he... he waxes poetically to her like all this i'm impressed you know where did all these kids come from oh you know you probably had them asleep in their bed because you don't want to traumatize them outside of you know the you know the, the holiday cameo you know you kept couples together and uh their sitcom personalities are mirror what their real life personalities are you know you gave them better haircuts haircuts you gave them better jobs you know you I'm really impressed. You know, this is better than what you've done before, you know, with the little, you know, give them nightmares and do this, that, or the other. So I'm, I'm very impressed with you, my sister. How did you do it? And I think that was the big question that he wanted the answer to. And in essence, she was like, I don't really know how I did it. You know, I was alone. I, I felt uh, darkness and, and loneliness and, and uh, trauma and sadness. And somehow this happened. So, Evan Peters as Pietro could be the big bad or could be a hench person for the big bad trying to find out how Wanda did it. 
That's just my little, based off of what Pietro was doing throughout the episode, that's what it led me to believe. Uh, Professor, what about you? What did you think of Pietro being hella inquisitive, but not being forthcoming with any answers? And, and did that lead you down, uh, you know, my theory? Or did, are, we in, are we in agreement with that? Or do you have your own take on who Pietro could be? I'm not willing to say this as a... Uh... You know, one of my uh, crazy, uh, you know, uh, things that, you know, three episodes from now will go, oh, my God, I can't believe you called that. But I know, right? The way he was playing it, I was getting some very low-key, low-key vibes. Oh, low-key, low-key. That's interesting. And, and th- low-key knows enough about, you know, her background and stuff like that to impersonate him. He would be interested in finding out how she's doing all of this, you know, because he'd want to take, but also he has that sort of professional sense because Loki is a master manipulator. He's a deceiver. And so he had that sense of, you know, I appreciate what you're doing here. You know, game recognizes game. I like how you're doing this. You keep the kids hidden and except for the holiday episodes and everything like that. Um, part of me would not be at all surprised to see, you know, Loki reveal himself uh, at the end of the episode or at the end of the series. That's fascinating. And again, Loki being used. And again, that could mean that, you know, the real big bad is still out there. And this is just like Loki dropping by as the god of mischief to see, hey, what's going on? You know, I I saw all of this magical energy and thought I'd come in and see what's going on. Uh, He's curious about it. Um, But even, you know, the it's not like your dead husband can die again. If, you know, that's exactly the sort of thing Loki would say. He would just go that little bit too far being funny uh, and get in trouble for it. So I I honestly do feel... um, and it, it felt like, you know, it, it sounded like, you know, uh, Sam Rockwell uh, playing it. But, of course, he already has a uh, character in the MCU. Uh, but, yeah, I couldn't get out of my mind the fact that, you know, I could totally see Tom Hiddleston uh, playing this scene with her, uh, you know, and doing it in exactly that way. That's fascinating, because I've read a lot of theories as to who the big bad is, who Evan Peters could be, and that sort of thing. And I have not read Loki. You're the first. So if if it does end up happening... Kudos and mad props to you. The other theories that I've read, this was before this episode, and I feel like this episode would negate this 100%. But um, some people, when he showed up at the end of the previous episode, was like, maybe it's Doctor Strange. You know, maybe Doctor Strange um, sensed, you know, because he's a magical person, sensed the magical disturbance in Westview and uh, arrived and noticed what was going on and uh, decided to uh, shake things up to sort of be able to get into Wanda's mind to figure out how to fix everything or how to help her. Um, After this episode, I don't believe that that could be possible just because of the quip at the end where, you know, it's not like you can kill your dead husband twice. I don't feel like Dr. Strange would have said that because that was um, Dr. Strange does throw shade, but that was a a little shade with a sting to it. And I don't feel like Dr. Strange would have done that to Wanda. And also there were a lot of, um, when Pietro talked, uh, Demon Spawn, he talked about hell a lot. And I, I think that was, um, it might have been a little too on the nose, but I, I think that was supposed to clue us in that, you know, at least it clued me in. I was like, all right, so you're clearly working with the big bad. That was just my take on it. Uh, I've read, uh, as far as big bads or potential big bads, I mean, I think we've discussed them all in, in previous um, episodes, but uh, people like Nightmare, Mephisto, Cathon, um, um, I think those are the like the sort of the main ones that people think it could be. Um, 
yeah, uh, yeah, Mephisto, Grim Reaper, Cthulhu, Nightmare, those four. Uh, potentially are, are the ones that people are thinking it could be, which maybe this is, uh, if if, if uh, Evan Peters isn't the big bad, maybe he's the Grim Reaper reporting to Mephisto. Um, a lot of people are still questioning Ralph. A lot of people are still questioning Dottie and maybe even Agnes as people that are in control or, uh, you know, could be the, the big bad in disguise. I don't know. Uh, that's something I can't tell you, but I do feel like uh, Pietro is clearly not on the up and up, and he was fishing for information. He was trying to understand what was going on, and whether he's the one that's leeching off of her magic or not, I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Well, and that's why I don't think he's the big bad, because... If he was Mephisto and, and, you know, the idea is that, you know, some big bad set this up and lured uh, Wanda into it to feed off of her, he would know how it was set up. Why would he be asking that question? Very Doesn't true. Make a lot of sense. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I, I just, yeah. I, and again, it could be Loki, could be, uh, you know, uh, Mordu from uh, Doctor Strange. Um, I do kind of like the idea of it being Doctor Strange because Doctor Strange can be a bit of a dick. Remember uh, in uh, Infinity War? Uh, you know, him and, uh, and Tony. Um, but yeah, I just, boy, I would totally love it to be Loki just, and again, what a great way to set up the Loki series. Yes. That, that would be the brilliant part. And, he's, of it and again, he's not there because he's, uh, you know, because he's necessarily part of it. He's just, Hey, this is interesting. I'm going to poke my nose in here and see if I can stir up some shit. And that is the sort of thing that Loki would do. And I believe that is going to be the heart of the Loki series, which is Loki traveling through time, just messing with people. Mm hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Very interesting. And it would tie the series together, uh, both of them. So uh, I don't, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, quick little uh, reference that I thought was interesting, uh, Kick-Ass. Uh, so this was the first time uh, that the sitcom really had, like, I wouldn't call that foul language, but certainly uh, a saltier language than we've seen before. Because, you know, sitcoms usually are wholesome, especially family sitcoms. Once you get into, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, you, you do see, um, I don't even know what you would call it, because I wouldn't really call that curse word. But it, it is a saltier language, I guess, for lack of a better word, than sitcoms are used to. So she, the kick-ass reference, though, is, is, is a reference to the film. And uh, both Pietros were in kick-ass, which I did not know. I think that's funny. Both Evan Peters and Aaron Taylor Johnson uh, were in Kick-Ass together, and I enjoyed uh, um, Elizabeth Olsen's delivery of Kick-Ass when she hears her kids say Kick-Ass. Okay, so Vision, while all that's going on, Vision is exploring Westview, and we, in essence, see that Wanda's reach in Westview wanes when you get to the outskirts of Westview. We learned that also because our people on the outside are, um, are viewing that via um, uh, monitors and that kind of stuff, but we'll talk about them in a moment. Um, so as uh, sort of like the radius of um, Wanda, you know, gets gets larger or as 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 they um as the the NPCs whatever we want to call them the residents of Westview get further away from Wanda it looks like her reach isn't that uh, profound you know we see a woman hanging halloween decorations and she's glitching back and forth you know she 
you know, almost hooks it and then she doesn't. And uh, her husband in the back is moving a jack-o'-lantern. And we see a single teardrop, you know, fall from the woman's eye. As, you know, she has this just repetitive, she, she's stuck. She's imprisoned. I mean, she's imprisoned in Westview, but she's stuck in this loop. Uh, Vision continues to explore, and then he, he gets to an area where I guess Wanda's reach is no longer felt, and, and people are, aren't moving at all. Uh, Wu on the outside says it looks like they're barely moving, but we saw them. Like, maybe they're breathing, but they aren't physically moving. I, I thought it was incredibly chilling and, and done in such a spectacular Twilight zone type of way. That, this leads Vision to fly up into the air. He looks around. He can hear people talking. He can hear trick-or-treaters. And his eye sort of gazes over to sort of the edge of town where he sees a car that, um, that is, is not moving. And this leads us to Agnes, Professor. Let's talk about Agnes. So... Uh, Agnes and Vision have a conversation. She is awoken. Your Vision, you're an Avenger. What's an Avenger? Uh, are you going to help us? Are you here to save us? Am I dead? Because you're dead. Dead, dead, dead. Ha, 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 ha. And all that type of stuff. And, until Vision snaps her back into the sitcom mode. Okie dokie, neighbor. Happy halloween -y. What did you think of this, Professor? I have my own theory, but I don't even want to sway you because I, I feel like um, your theory is different than mine. How did you interpret this scene? Well, I know a lot of people are interpreting it that, you know, um, uh, Agnes was manipulating the vision to, you know, push him on to go. But he was doing that anyway. Um, and, you know, it would assume that, you know, his mindstone powers uh, you know, that you are supposed to break them free of it, um, you know, didn't work on her, which would have to be explained. Um, so I think the simpler explanation is just that, you know, she got to the limit of Wanda's power uh, and, you know, started glitching like the other NPCs did. Uh, he snapped her back to it. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm just I'm just taking this one uh, on the very simple level, even though we did have, you know, her being aware uh, last episode. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's justification in what she did, like for the interpretation that I'm seeing from a lot of people, which is that, oh, this was clever manipulation on her part. Um, yeah, I just I didn't see it there. OK, well, I did and I will explain and you don't have to agree. It's perfectly fine. Uh, that's why we're here podcasting about it, because different theories uh, make for interesting uh, conversation. But I saw it differently. First of all, unlike everybody else, she was able to talk to Vision while she was stuck. Everyone else was frozen, and she was clearly way out, as opposed to even where Vision was, where the people were frozen solid, where they were doing, in essence, the mannequin challenge. So she was able to talk and communicate. And then when Vision, in essence, awakened her, the uh, visual effect was different than what it was before. Like before, it was clearly like a yellow, sparky type of thing. This one, it, it just, it was like a light. And I don't know if, that's why I don't know if it actually did anything. Um, so I think, I don't know if I want to call it manipulation. I do feel like she wanted to push him 
to do what he did so that Wanda could do what she did. And why, I don't know. But it did make me question Agnes a lot more uh, this time around uh, than than before. Because before I was questioning whether she was, you know, she was awake and um, maybe she was an ally, maybe a little bit of a chaos positive or chaos neutral type of person. This moment made me question if she was more so aligned with whomever the big bad is and um, is, is pushing along his or her machinations. I mean, she could be the big bad at the end of it all. Um, but it, it made me question on whether she was an ally or not. Um, unless we find out later on that this was all a part of Wanda's original plan, and, and maybe she is helping Wanda's plan. I don't know. It just it left me really questioning Agnes. I thought Catherine Hahn was fantastic. I mean, she played confused to awakened Agnes, to um, almost maniacal Agnes, when she starts just screaming, dead, 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 and, and she starts laughing maniacally. I mean, and, and then, you know, she's slapped back into um, sitcom mode. Uh, she was fantastic throughout that entire sequence. But, um, but yeah, I, I think she was trying to push Vision even more. I know that Vision was already maybe headed in that direction, but I don't think he was headed at the direction of finding out what was at the barrier of, of Westview and the fact that she was way out there, like at, uh, what was it, Ellis Avenue or whatever it is, Ellis Street, where uh, Wanda told the kids they can't go past. The fact that she was there and it, it was like a hop, skip, and a jump from the barrier... Uh, I think she was trying to maybe not manipulate him because that maybe that's a bit of a strong word, but she was certainly there to push him. Well, and I think there's, I think you can look at that in, in a couple of ways. One is that, you know, you suggested she was pushing him in order to prompt Wanda to expand that. And again, I think that's, that's going too far. I think uh, a simpler explanation is that if you're arguing that Agnes has always had a level of this awareness that she, like Herb, is aware they're being manipulated, maybe she drove out to Ellis Avenue thinking she could escape and just couldn't make it. Uh, you know, and, you know, her you know, motivation of vision might just have been, hey, you're an Avenger. Send help. Save the people who are being tortured here. Um, so I think that's a much simpler uh, interpretation of it. Now, obviously, there's there's a lot of stuff there. You know, it's, it's circles within circles going on in the show. So it could very yeah. well uh, be the opposite. And, and it's entirely possible that, you know, the fact that, you know, I think Catherine Hahn is playing it so great that I don't want her to be the bad guy. Yeah, I don't want um, her to be the bad guy either. But, um, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm I'm willing to accept a simpler that, you know, she is aware of it and she was trying to get away to seek help. Um, and, you know, I, I think another interpretation of, you know, and again, we don't know if she's Agatha Harkness. We, we really don't know that. She might she not was be dressed there, as a you know, witch. She might be there because of the big bad. Uh, you know, she might be there to fight the big bad alongside uh, Wanda rather than being someone who's directly involved with uh, the manipulation of her or anything like that. So, you know, and again, the idea that, you know, she and Herb might be trying to keep things going along in order to draw out the big bad uh, in order to do that. So, I mean, that's another interpretation that I think is equally valid. True. 
She was dressed as a witch, though. And well, yes, I mean, no, they gave us that one. And, and by the way, if you want to get into it during the opening sequence uh, on the uh, the back of her sweatpants, mm-hmm. it said naughty. So said naughty. obviously she's the big bad. No, no, I don't think she's the big bad. I do think she's naughty, though. Um, so I, I think she's clearly doing stuff. Um, I do like your interpretation of it just because I don't want her to be a bad guy as well. If she is a bad guy, I want her to be able to be a rehabilitated bad guy. You know, kind of like someone, in essence, kind of like Wanda. Because she was villainous in Age of Ultron. I mean, she was against the Avengers. But then, you know, she became an ally and, and an Avenger herself. So, if they, if she is being naughty right now... Uh, my hope is that she's able to be reformed because from what I've, from what you've said, Professor, and from what I've read about Agatha Harkness, she does become, or she is an ally to the Scarlet Witch. So I do want to see that happen just because I want to see more of Catherine Hahn on the screen. And I'd love to see oh, her. Yeah, definitely. We'd you know, love to have, you know, her coming back in, in other shows and stuff like that. Exactly. And, and, and in other films, like I would love to see her just, you know, even if it's a cameo, just, you know, show up, you know, craft a little magic and then, you know, have a little fun. And then she saunters off or something like that. Like, I think that would be amazing. She's playing this character perfectly. So I don't want her to be, don't want her to be a bad person. And we still haven't seen Dottie in quite some time, have we? No. Yeah. Not since, what was it? The, yeah, it was the seventies episode of quick little cutaway. Yeah. So, just, yeah that was all we got. Uh, just reminding us that Dottie is out there. Um, yes. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there, there's, I mean, the, and the, again, kudos to them for creating this in such a way that, you know, we can, you know, that, that you know, that there are, you know, from the available evidence, we can all do that. Although I do find it funny, I saw a, a funny meme on someone's uh, recap blog where they were saying, you know, uh, it's basically, you know, it's it's uh, a guy standing there with a butterfly in front of him. And the meme is... Professor, I lost you. So the you. idea being, oh, wait, I lost you, every professor. character who shows up as being Mephisto. Wait up, wait up, Professor, because uh, I didn't hear any of it. All it was, I saw the meme with the guy with the butterfly, and then you cut out. So c- can you repeat that again, please? Oh, sorry. Sure. Uh, there's this meme. Uh, it's, a, it's, you know, an animated, you know, uh, sort of, you know, uh, a cartoon style of a guy standing there pointing at a butterfly, and over the guy it says, WandaVision viewers, and over the butterfly it says, that must be Mephisto. The idea being that we are all pointing at every character we see on the screen and going, that must be Mephisto. That's funny. Mephisto doesn't show up. It's kind of a waiting for Godot. Waiting for Mephisto. That's hilarious. I I know that meme. That meme is used for a lot of stuff. And and it's funny that they made a WandaVision version of that meme. But yeah, we are. are, Apparently we are waiting for Mephisto. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we talked about Agnes, which was hella fascinating. Um, well, let's, let's go outside of Westview and let's talk about a couple things before we get to, uh, what happens at the end. So, um, outside of Westview, uh, we're basically catching up right after, uh, Wanda's, um, appearance outside of Westview in the previous episode. And, uh, man, it's like... Oh, gosh. Like, I tried to root for this man for a moment. You know, because I was like, you know what? You have a connection with uh, the Rambos. 
Mama Rambo, uh, Maria Rambo. You have a connection with Monica. So I was, I was rooting for him. But, man, he just turned into just the, the stereotypical, um, as, you, as you say, Professor, bureaucratic head. And it just, uh, I mean, I was, in essence, you know, I went from trying to root for um, Hayward to uh, being completely against him and being for, of course, our people, you know, Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy. What did you think of the confrontation between Monica and uh, Hayward? Because I do think, you know, regardless of what I think about him, because I, I, I think he's clearly up to some nefarious shit. I feel like he was trying to do something with Vision's body, his the technology. I, I feel like Wanda saved Vision um, because they were doing nefarious shit. They, being Sword, were doing nefarious shit with his uh, carcass those five years um uh, but he he did make some interesting points that that did allow me to sympathize with him for a second you know he was like oh you people you know you guys were blipped uh you don't know what happened you guys still have the wide-eyed optimism like you don't know about what it was like and i was like you know what i can sympathize you just a tiny bit but then he was a dick and uh, I just, I couldn't. But I loved Monica's line of, you know, don't let these the, your past five years, you know, allow you to be a coward or something like that. I was like, ooh, that was a burn. Professor, Monica and Hayward, what did you think? Well, I've said it before. I would, I would like, you know, a show where, you know, the middle-aged mediocre white guy wasn't the bad guy. Uh, you know, representation matters. Uh, but no, yeah, and they've been setting it up. You know, he was, you know, uh, you know, uh, we got some certain sketchy vibes off him from the first episode. Uh, certainly, we've been seeing more and more of it. Um, but uh, I do. I, I can't help but think about, you know, the fact that glow, that drone was still glowing red when they brought it out. Uh, now, presumably it's been you know, reabsorbed back into uh, the hex uh, by the end of the episode. But I did wonder whether they were setting something up with that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think he was justified up until the point where he you know, invoked uh, uh, Maria Rambeau. Uh, and at that point, that was just like, OK, well, he's gone too far. Yeah, I think uh, the drone was foreshadowing of what we learned later on which we will be discussing uh, actually next. So, so let's start talking about this. So um, Monica, Darcy, and Jimmy get kicked out of the base, but uh, there was a, a moment of badassery with Monica and Jimmy where they uh, take down the sword agents and they sneak back in. Darcy does a little hackulation of the situation and starts getting into uh, Hayward's files. And... Uh, we learn a couple of different things via Darcy's hacking of, uh, you know, the, the files. Number one, um, Hayward has been able to track Vision. He's been tracking Vision's uh, vibranium signature. And so he's been able to see where Vision is going, what he's doing, in essence, as well as he's been able to get maybe sort of an accurate headcount of how many people are in the Maximoff anomaly, the Hex. We also learn that uh, he has a copy of Monica's blood work, and the blood work reveals that her cells are changing on a molecular level due to the fact that she went through the boundary twice. So there's that. 
Um, there's also um, there there was something that she found uh, called um, what was it? It wasn't Operation Cataract, but it was it was labeled Cataract, which uh, was interesting. And uh, she ends up emailing it to Wu because Wu and Monica end up disappearing because they're they're about to meet her guy who's going to help her get back into the hex. Another another uh, sort of allusion to her guy, which is interesting, which maybe we'll meet her guy in the next episode. So there is a lot to break down right here, Professor. So let's break it down. Uh, the, the moment of badassery with Monica and Jimmy. Uh, Monica's cells changing on a molecular level. Uh, I hear Priscilla screaming photon in the background. <laughs> She's screaming it through the snow. So there's that. And uh, yeah, what? why were they tracking vision? Professor, why didn't you tell anybody? Why was this a surprise? And uh, yeah, and, and, and what was that uh, cataract thing that uh, she found? What do you think? Uh, many questions in there. Let's uh, yes. deal with them, uh, attempt to systematically. So um, his tracking of vision, um, I think, is because, as we said before, they've had vision's body for five years. They've been experimenting on it. Um, I think that this is, you know, modifications that they've made to it. Uh, when they're doing the vision tracking, it actually says, you know, uh, when it's, it's, you know, when Jimmy uh, goes off and looks at the, uh, the border and then it goes back to him, it, it says, uh, what was it, uh, asset. Uh, reacquired. An asset is usually a term you use for something that is working for you. It didn't say target reacquired, it said asset reacquired, which makes me think that mm. Sword was working on Vision trying to turn him into a weapon. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is a vestige of that, that they can track him and and possibly, you know, even you know, manipulate him to try to get him out and come back to them. Uh, because, you know, he certainly seemed to to know where Vision was going. I guess they could tell it from the tracking. Um, obviously, and, you know, the uh, the project for turning him into a weapon is presumably cataract, uh, which, you know, if you look at the fine print underneath it, it does say classified weapons. Um, and cataract, of course, is something that clouds your vision. So, haha, very funny Marvel people. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I think the uh, the the speculation that we had last week or the week before that Sword was dealing some shady stuff with uh, with Vision's body uh, for those five years uh, is going to be is, is going to hold up, and you know that they were trying to turn him into a weapon, and uh, and that probably is what you know probably um, you know. Uh, uh, Wanda found out about this, which is why she broke into the sword facility, grabbed his body, as we speculated, uh, and took it off to uh, to Westview to uh, to to do this. Now, that said, who told her about Vision's body? Uh, who tipped her off about that? Was that an inciting incident that someone, you know, tipped her off to this to get her to this point? I don't know. But I think what we're going to find out is that, uh, yes. And, you know, um, uh, so I think that answers all the questions that were raised in there. Did I miss any? You did. Well, but before we get into Monica's oh, Monica, cells. Yeah, Monica's obviously become a photon. Come yes. on, we knew that. As soon oh, okay. as we saw Monica Rambo come back. As soon as I saw Monica Rambo in Captain Marvel, I knew she was going to become photon. Okay, well, there you go. Or Captain Marvel. She was also known as Captain Marvel for a while. Yes. Okay, all right. I like it. Okay, so, yeah. Now, my hope is that Hayward was the one doing the nefarious stuff with vision because I don't want this because you know, we learned that um, Maria was the creator of sword. Um, she was clearly dealing with cancer and that sort of thing. So, so my hope is that well, she, she did that for three years. Correct. So. so my hope is that she didn't know about this or that he did it once he got the power. 
because I want him to be, remain the evil one. If I'm being yeah, no, I, I don't think they'd besmirch uh, Maria's uh, legacy in that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, but no, I, yeah, I agree, and that would make sense, you know, like that, you know, if he'd only had, if he only he'd only been doing it for a while. Um, but uh, you know, and again, talking about you know ways to to wrap this up, you know, uh, Nick Fury blipped back you know, nine days or two weeks ago. So maybe he's going to show up at the end of it and, uh, and take control of sword away from Hayward. That would be awesome. I would not um, disapprove of that. Oh, yes. the, the guy, we didn't mention the guy. Okay. So I realized that the, you know, if, if we do not meet the guy uh, and, and she says, Hey, read to him, the internet is going to, you know, lose its freaking mind. Uh, and also if, if Reed is not played by John Krasinski, uh, they're going to lose their freaking minds. I yeah. want to suggest something else. She could know another aerospace engineer because back in the Captain Marvel movie, there was a scroll who was able to convert, uh, you know, an ordinary ship into space worthiness, uh, a space worthy ship. Oh, yeah. Um, so and she, you know, had her scroll friends and stuff like that. I wouldn't be surprised to to maybe reinvoke the scroll. Now that said, would I love to see that you know uh, Reed is there and he's got three friends with him because they have to help him drive this in there? Sure, I would love to see that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if they're if they're going to go the the Fantastic Four route just yet. Now, and again, they might just introduce him, you know, and and leave that hanging out there. But it would be a way, you know, for them going through it to gain their powers, similar to the way that uh, Photon gains her powers. Uh, so that could give us our Fantastic Four, but. I would not be surprised to see a scroll prop up. I actually like that a lot. Uh, I will also say, since we're talking about scrolls, some people think Hayward is a scroll, one of the evil ones. Um, I don't know why they're thinking that, but uh, I have read that actually a lot online. People think Hayward is a scroll, and uh, I mean you can't convince them otherwise. So I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, I did read uh, about Reed. <laughs> I mean, it was like all over the place uh, over the weekend. Uh, people do really want John Krasinski for whatever reason. Um, they're like, he looks exactly like the character in the comic books. It needs to be him. I did read an interesting casting uh, suggestion. Um, some people were saying uh, William Jackson Harper from The Good Place as Reed. And I was like, yes, I was like, that might be really interesting, especially because we know the MCU is really trying to be incredibly diverse moving forward from phase four, which we're currently in and onward. Um, That might be interesting. Uh, I would dig that. He's very good. My only reason for wanting John Krasinski to uh, to play Reed Richards is you could probably get Emily Blunt to play Sue Storm. Yes, that is true. And wouldn't that be fun? Yes, yes. Although uh, the casting that I saw online, some people put um, John Krasinski, and uh, for whatever reason, they want uh, Sue and Reed to be interracial. Uh, at least those are the suggestions that I keep on seeing on social media. Uh, they recommended uh, Nicole Bahari uh, from Sleepy Hollow fame. Oh, I never watched it. Okay, but they I've seen her a lot as Sue, which... Um, I don't know why, but uh, the internet seems to like that. Um, I like William Jackson Harper. He's he's. I mean, he's he's bulky, but he's not as as bulky as Krasinski. And Krasinski, you know, because he's bulked up for Jack Ryan, I think he's he's too bulky to play Reed Richards. Reed should be a slimmer fellow, I think. But William Jackson Harper plays smart very well. Okay, well there you go. 
Okay, so we'll see. I'm assuming we're going to have to meet this person in the next episode. I feel like it just has to happen. Well, uh, and also, if there is going to be a big bad, they have to be introduced in the next episode. You know, we, we, we're, we're, we're in the final third of it. You can't yeah. go introducing a character in the last two episodes. It would just be such a cheap cop-out. If there is a real big bad, they have to be revealed in the next episode. We don't necessarily have to do the uh, the read thing, um, you know, or, or whoever her guy is, because she did say it would be about an hour. And so if they're doing everything in real time now, um, you know, you could justify pushing that off for another one. But I, my suspicion is that things are going to really start picking up in the next episode in terms of a big bad reveal in terms of her guy, whoever that is, uh, and and going back in. I do agree with you on that. Yeah, 100%. I feel like the big bad has to be revealed in the next episode if there is an another big bad if it's not all wanda if there is uh some sort of uh supernatural uh, being leeching off of wanda i feel like it has to be revealed in the next episode uh because i think the last two episodes will have to be the battle in essence wanda realizing you know what's going on i i think the next episode will be us knowing who is behind it maybe and then the following episode will be Wanda's realization that maybe she's being manipulated or maybe she's being used, whatever. And then the final, and maybe that might kickstart a big battle. And then the final hour will have to be, in essence, the battle for Wanda's soul or something like that. Well, and there was a line about that in this episode before uh, Monica got thrown out by uh, Hayward, which is that, you know, uh, you know, Wanda is going to be the solution to the problem. Correct. You, know, you can't attack her and try to kill her. She's the only one who can can fix this. And yeah, and I, and I agree with you that that is going to have to be the, uh, the resolution to it. 100%. 100%. Okay. So uh, let's see. We, did we discuss everything outside that was important? Yes. Darcy? Well, Darcy, well, what do, what do we want to talk about? Darcy um, getting handcuffed? Because that's what we're going to talk about in a moment. Okay. We okay. Can, I just wanted to make sure we hadn't missed that because. Oh yes. Oh no. Was... Yeah. Darcy was everything. Okay, so Vision. Vision starts walking towards the barrier, and he, he, he struggles, but he makes it through. You know, beep, 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 beep. They're tracking Vision. Hayward and his goons, uh, you know, go and, and meet Vision where he emerges from the hex. And uh, he's still struggling. We notice that uh, sort of pieces of him are being um, ripped from him and being thrown back into the hex. Darcy, you know, runs outside. She's like, why aren't you helping him? She ends up getting handcuffed to a car and that sort of thing. And inside, Billy is Wiccan, right? Correct? Yes. Okay. So inside the Hex, um, over the course of this episode, the twins' powers have emerged. Uh, Tommy has super speed, and uh, in essence, Billy has uh, his mother's uh, telepathic, telekinesis, whatever you want to call it, her powers. And he, he hears his father uh, in pain. Um, he, he goes to his mom. His mom's like, where is he? And, and he can see the soldiers. He can, he can hear what's going on. And uh, he can even read their minds. And they're like, they think he's dying. So Wanda ends up freezing everything in Westview. 
her eyes glow, and she increases the radius of the hex. So what this means is that the hex starts to grow, and it starts sucking up the entire sword camp. Uh, we don't see what happens to Darcy. Uh, we just know that she is uh, she's handcuffed to a car. I believe we specifically don't see what happens to Darcy so that we can be surprised in the next episode. I will also say that uh, Vision does actually look at Darcy. Like, we see them actually look eye to eye, which that's going to be interesting because depending on what Vision remembers, he might remember her. And, and, and so, just... Um, I'm just telling everybody, including you, Professor, just bookmark that, because I do think that moment was important. Um, everyone else gets turned into the circus. Uh, the circus has come to town, and all of the sword agents turn into circus performers, clowns, uh, mimes, etc. Um, both uh, Monica and Jimmy, it appears, are able to fully escape, because they were way ahead in their car, um, you know, driving, and then they even speed off. Hayward and his goons, at least the ones that are in the SUV with him, it looks like they escape, um, but they came really close. Uh, I, I will give props to the VFX. Um, you know, this is a TV budget, but they are given the budget of, if it appears, a Marvel movie, because I thought the uh, SUVs sort of took us, you know, gently rubbing up to the hex. I thought that was an awesome bit of visuals. Um, yeah, I mean, it really looked like the hex was about to suck that car up. But they are able to escape. Hayward calls his people, and nobody's answering because they're all clowns inside of the hex. Um, I will say a funny little quip. I posted this on social media because it, it, I thought of it and it made me laugh. I was like, you know, look at our girl, Dr. Darcy Lewis. Uh, you know, she she got cast on her favorite TV show, Dreams Do Come True. And uh, she was the fan. She was invested in the WandaVision series. So now she's a part of it. Um, I think it will be a funny gag if she ends up being a waitress at a diner. Um, just because, you know, that might be a little too on the nose. You know, kind of like how we didn't get a You Got a Dude. Although I will say TV line, um, they, they were disappointed that we did not get some sort of Olsen um, reference during uh, the 80s episode. But so was I. So at least like mine's. Professor, let's talk about this ending. Wanda has increased the radius of the hex. Vision broke free. And his first thing was, you need to help the people. Which shows us, once again, it's proof as to why he was worthy to pick up Mjolnir. Um, Darcy is in a sitcom now. Come on, break it down for me, Professor. What did you think of everything that happened at the end of the episode? Uh, first off, uh, you know, getting back to my theory from, you know, many episodes ago that uh, Wanda is has gone completely evil, broken bad. Uh, when she is expanding the hex and she's, you know, uh, you know, uh, changing the soldiers, she changes them into clowns and mimes. What is more evil than that? I know, right? Clowns and mimes. She's giving the world more clowns and more mimes. There's just no call for that. Um, okay, here's what exact. Here's what I thought was going to happen, and I was gobsmacked that this did not happen. I was convinced that you know everything up to 
a certain point was exactly what I was expecting. Wanda realizes it. She expands the hex to envelop Vision and bring him back into the safety. You'll notice that, you know, when Vision is brought back through the hex, his body goes back to the way it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was absolutely convinced that it would stop there and, you know, Darcy would be like, you know, a foot away from it. And uh, so I did not see the expansion continuing. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, at, by the end of the episode, uh, I guess we see and we didn't see the outside of it with the hex stopping. What we saw was uh, Wanda's eyes no longer glowing red. So we can assume the hex is no longer expanding. But that is an assumption. Um, but, you know, if if the argument is that, you know, uh, so again, using the uh, the Monica Rambeau, if if going through it maybe twice is what's necessary uh, for you to gain superpowers, then, you know, if Darcy is on the inside and Wanda, you know, voluntarily gets rid of it in some way, maybe all those people won't be transformed into superhumans or maybe they will. Uh, it's uh, boy, it's interesting. But, yeah, I was totally not expecting Darcy to end up inside the hex. That took me completely by surprise. And also, I think the entire sword facility, except for Hayward and his two goons, has been absorbed because he was calling yeah. on his, uh, you know, uh, his radio and no one was responding. So my feeling is that she has enveloped everyone. Like the only people out there who have any idea what's going on now are Hayward and the two goons and uh, and Monica and uh, and Jimmy and her guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're going from the situation where you had this, this full, you know, sword, uh, set up, uh, you know, uh, you know, command center and, you know, all the resources and stuff like that to a situation where you don't have any of that, uh, which presumably will make it, you know, easier for, uh, for Monica and, uh, uh, and her team to, to get in there. But yeah, my feeling is that, uh, and again, it might be, and there's, there's different ways, you know, like maybe Monica goes through it again and it reverses everything and she's not photon, but my feeling is that, uh, uh, yeah, there's going to have to be something. Uh, and again, you know, the, the only solution to this is, you know, they have to break through to Wanda and get her to undo this. I, I think, as Monica said, she's the only way that you can undo this. Uh, but there will be a malign force trying to keep it going to feed off of her. And I think the, the battle is going to be Vision, possibly with an assist from Darcy, uh, possibly with an assist from Monica, maybe with an assist from the twins, um, maybe Agnes, uh, you know, reaching out to... Uh, uh, to uh, Wanda uh, to, to get her to undo this, realizing that in so doing, she's sacrificing her happy ending. She's going to have to, you know, Vision's going to have to die. She might lose the uh, the twins. Um, uh, unless, you know, there's a friendly figure there with a uh, Tesseract who can, you know, blip them away to another universe or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're setting up, you know, as we speculate for some time, it's not going to be a happy ending. Yeah. Although I, I hope that there is a little bit of happiness at the end of this. I do. I mean, I know. Okay. This is the happiness. Well, before I even get there, let's, let, let's, let me break down or at least let me talk about what we saw. So I'm super excited. Darcy's in Westfield. I, I just, I can't wait to see who she is. And I do think that moment with vision, you know, that brief look into each other's eyes. Um, I, I think, He's he's going to. Um, my theory is, when she's in there, he might be the one that helps her remember because he's going to recognize her. This is all dependent on the idea that he's going to remember everything, which um, I hope he does. Uh, at least I hope he's. I, I hope that um, if he if if she's able to snap him back into the sitcom mode, I hope something happens where he does start questioning things again, and then he remembers everything. Um, because I, I think he will be the one that will be able to help awaken her. At least that's my hope. Um, her being Darcy. Um, I do think 
now that the radius is larger, uh, I mean, if we already saw what was going on at the edges of Westview, um, I'm going to guess that her powers and her control over things, now that she has an even larger Westview to deal with, uh, that's going to cause problems, and and things are going to get a little wonkier. Um, Yeah, I I don't think her grip on everybody is going to be able to hold, which uh, might be interesting to see Wanda have to, uh, you know, recover from stuff and and to fix things and use her powers a little bit more regularly, especially out in the open, uh, trying to keep her influence on the Westview residents as well as the new residents as well. There are a lot of theories online about mutants emerging because of the hex and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know what I want as far as mutants. Uh, I read this interesting article that was like, WandaVision doesn't necessarily need to create mutants. You know, there doesn't necessarily have to be a reason why mutants exist. Um, You know, there doesn't have to be a cataclysmic event as to why mutants exist. They could have always existed. You know, they were, mutants, in essence, were always hiding anyway. It really wasn't until a certain point in the comics when they outed themselves to the world. So mutants can always exist. They don't necessarily need Wanda to, you know, throw the hex around the entire globe, and then that's how mutants are created. Because in essence, I feel like this... Uh, series is proving to us that it wasn't necessarily one of the infinity stones that awoken um, that, that that sorry that gave Wanda and Pietro their powers. It looks like it was always in them, and that maybe it was the stone that triggered the awakening. But I don't think the stones gave her her powers or gave Pietro his powers either. So if they, if that's was speculated on this podcast a few episodes ago, because during uh, that, it it was mentioned at the end of uh, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier, that, you know, they were the only two survivors. So there had to be something special about them uh, that, that was brought out. But we didn't really think of it in that way then, because, you know, the idea of mutants being in the MCU was a no-no because Fox owned uh, the rights, the film rights to uh, the X-Men. But now that Disney owns Fox, I mean, that's an easy way, and it would be the simplest way to retcon. Because in essence, it wouldn't be a major retcon where we're completely changing a character's backstory. We're just being enlightened to something that the characters didn't know at the time. So I hope that they go that route, and I hope that it isn't that the Hex envelops the entire Earth, and, and that's how mutants uh, appear. But if they need a reason, if, if people out there specifically need a reason, I mean, I guess that isn't really that bad of a reason. Anyway, period. Okay, so what else, what else, what else? The clowns were fantastic. I mean, the way that she clowned on them was spectacular. It was so good. The fact that we got to see the Scarlet Witch in her comic book character, uh, comic book costume, I should say, um, wielding the hex magic was spectacular. I enjoyed that as well. Um, I do think the hex stopped. I feel like um, when we saw Hayward um, and his and his people sort of drive away, we saw like the barrier stop, and they kept on driving. It didn't look like the, the barrier was catching up to them. I, I do wonder how big it got. Did it double in size? Because that was, it looked like it went for a good amount of t- 
time. Uh, so I wonder how large the the hexagon now is. Um, and I am really excited to see Monica and maybe even Jimmy uh, break the barrier and and uh, you know arrive there uh, in in their sitcom form. Um, I, I do wonder once again because Vision knew Geraldine. If he sees her, like, will he go and awaken her? Like, will Monica be Geraldine again? And would he be like, oh, I remember. And, like, he awakens her, and then that's how he's able to gain some intel, and that's how Monica is be, is able to, uh, you know, get her real persona into Westview. I mean, it's interesting. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen in the next episode because the next episode basically has to be the episode that sets up the the final act. So um, the good thing is that Disney Plus has already announced that all of uh, the final episodes, the three final episodes, will be an hour long. I do wonder if that means an hour including the... Um, the the not commercials the um the end credits because the end credits are at least like five six seven minutes so hopefully yeah, it's I an hour that this time I was like I because I, I'm watching it thinking oh maybe there's going to be a post credit sequence finally and it's nope it's just five minutes of credits yeah so hopefully it's an hour not including those five minutes so yeah because there's a lot that, that needs to happen professor any theories any any anything that you think uh, is going to uh, anything that you want to see in particular in the next episode? Well, if there is a big bad, I want them revealed because I think you have to do that. Now, having said that, if we, if we have, you know, three hours left, then I guess you, you could, it just, it seems like such a, uh, a cheap thing. It's, it's, it's like breaking the laws of detective fiction. You know, the, the rules of detective fiction are you have to give all the clues to your reader. Um, so I think for them to suddenly, uh, you know, in, you know, in the in the last two episodes, bring up, oh, I was the big bad all along, ha ha ha. Uh, that would feel kind of cheap to me. Um, uh, I do agree that I think the uh, the the look between Darcy and Vision was significant, and that you know Vision is going to uh, see Darcy, whether as a waitress, probably not, but if they did, that would be hilarious, um, uh, and, and wake her up. But yeah, I think what's going to happen is you know if there is a big bad, they'll have to be revealed in the next episode. Uh, we may find you know Hayward is you know, trying to do something even bigger and nastier, uh, you know, to attack it. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, arguably a justification to be made for that because, you know, the hex is really dangerous and has just gotten much bigger. So, you know, uh, we may see, you know, uh, uh, more discussion and stuff like that going on. But ultimately, I think the battle will be, uh, yeah, with uh, with Wanda on the inside. Uh, and it might be that, you know, to, in order to, you know, for all the people that she just, you know, brought through the barrier once maybe she will have to expand the barrier all the way around the world in order they don't go through it a second time and end up like monica uh or uh you know it it might be something that she can undo on her own um but uh yeah i i I think there's you know a lot of of stuff that's still up in the air um and you know as i said before kudos to them for giving us so many red herrings and things that we're jumping at you know uh that must be Mephisto, uh, that, uh, that we've been, you know, doing it for, for all these episodes and we'll probably be doing it for the next three as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of herring, she did threaten to turn Pietro into pickled herring. And was that fish a herring that they gave him? I don't really know my, uh, my fish all that well. Okay. I don't either, but that would have been funny if it was a herring. I've always thought a herring were smaller than that, but 
Okay, could have been. Yeah. I did look up, um, apparently the commercial shark voice was voiced by somebody named Adam Gold. Now, whether if that's a real name, a real person, because sometimes they'll put fake people if, you know, if it's somebody. Yeah, and, and Tatiana, Mas- Tatiana Maslany was not cast as She-Hulk. Yes. Well, they lie to us all the time, those lying liars. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So I agree with you. I feel like the big bad needs to be introduced in the next episode. My hope it is, is that they don't wait until the very end of the episode to introduce us to the big bad. Um, I hope that they're, that we find out sooner rather than later in the episode. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be the Modern Family episode, so that means we're going to get a lot of one-on-one camera time with probably, I don't know if, I don't think Vision would do it, unless he is sucked in at the start of the episode into the sitcom motif. If not, it's definitely going to be Wanda talking to the camera, which might be kind of interesting. Um, And my hope, and I don't know how they're going to do this, my hope is that maybe the next to last episode, we figure out, or we're shown via flashbacks, exactly how the hex happened. And I don't know if it needs to be an hour-long episode. I mean, depends on exactly what they want to show us and, and how they want to present it to us. But um, I do feel like we need an extended flashback sequence really detailing how this happened. And I would prefer it to happen in the second-to-last episode just because I want the last episode to be focused on whatever we want to call it. Saving Wanda's soul, Wanda breaking the hex, uh, maybe some cataclysmic fight with the big bad, um, whatever we see at the end. Uh, I would want it to be just focused on that versus them having to give us a lot of exposition or flashbacks as to how this all happened. Those are my hopes. We'll wait and see. And a lot more Agnes. Yeah. Give me one-on-one camera with Agnes. I mean, yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, so... I think we covered everything. Was there anything, a teeny tiny little moment, Professor, that you want to discuss? Uh, this is probably just an oversight on someone's part, but I did notice that when, uh, oh, Vision was walking towards the barrier, we could see his breath, uh, which is probably just, you know, a function of, of, you know, they were shooting at night and it was cold, but a synthesoid shouldn't have breath, so I was wondering whether it was an intentional thing they, they put in uh, or something that they just uh, missed. I did read that as well. Um, again, but people, I noticed everyone else on the other side of the barrier, it was also their breath. So I'm guessing it was just something that they missed. Like, as I know, it's fairly easy to add, uh, breath, uh, in VFX, but I would guess getting rid of it's probably more expensive and trickier. Yeah. It might've been a chilly night in Atlanta. Um, but, uh, something that might be interesting to see, uh, again is, um, did vision have breath when he was outside of the barrier? Like, did he have breath in the barrier because of, the hex and did he not have breath outside of the barrier because he's no longer no, no, that would be interesting I, I don't think we could really yeah i didn't don't recall seeing any breath but there was so much vfx around him as his body was being ripped apart that you know, yeah it would have been difficult to see yes and uh i guess to close this out before we head into the mvp we have like 100 percent confirmation now that vision cannot survive outside of the hex so there yes. is that now and again so i mean it might be the question of, so uh, someone who is trying to manipulate Scarlet Witch to uh, to use more of her powers might say, hey, all you have to do is expand the hex so it completely covers the entire Earth, and Vision can survive anywhere on Earth. Mm-hmm. And your children. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. 
Now we don't know about the children, but yeah, yeah. Well, you can if you've got, you know, a, a friendly figure there with a tesseract who could just, you know, lift them off to another reality and then you could collapse it. Yeah, you know, it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to lose vision. Like, I, I just don't. So I hope, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do it because clearly he can't live outside of the hex. Um, so no, unless he gets... I've, I've said they're going to kill him for some time now. I know. Unless they bring him back as the gray husk vision which they could do i mean i want i I like paul bettany so i seeing him play a different iteration of vision i think would be interesting as well i do think she's going to be allowed to keep the kids for whatever reason i don't know why but i think especially because of young avengers i think the kids are going to stick around i still don't know how it's going to happen but i I do think they will stick around i do think wanda's going to go and i think that would be to the extent that you know uh because again if, if wanda lost vision and uh and her two kids then you know that would just be horrific to her i think yeah. you know vision will die sacrifice himself insist that no you have to do this you know which which unfortunately is is getting eerily close to the end of uh uh infinity war isn't it um uh i have to sacrifice myself to to save the world and you have to do this oh god now i'm hoping they don't do that um but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think keeping the kids around. Also, I like the the two kids they've got playing uh, Tommy and Billy. I think they're great. Yeah, they're fun. I like them. Uh, but I do think, um, and I think the end of this will have Wanda really succumbing to the madness. Like, I don't think we're going to get Wanda like fully. I, I have grieved. Like, I don't think we're going to get that wand at the end of this. Um, whether she goes fully mad and, you know, maybe uses some sort of interdimensional powers where she, you know, disappears and then we don't know where she is. And that's why Doctor Strange has to go into the multiverse of madness. I think you almost have mm-hmm. to do that because you can't have her staying on Earth after she's just done this. Yeah. So I think you're going to trust her. There, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, and I think that make, that would open up a situation that, you know, she is out there, you know, possibly. And again, as I say, perhaps if, uh, if the twins survive, but only by being removed from the earth, then maybe this is going to be her seeking after them and not caring what she does in the aftermath of it. And, and Dr. Strange has to, uh, lend a hand. True. I did read, an, read an interesting theory online where people were saying that because, um, Dr. Strange had the... Gosh, what was the stone that he had? The time stone? He had the time stone, but doesn't anymore. Okay, correct. So because the stones no longer exist, in essence, if we're going to go with the theory that the stones don't exist, or even if we go with the theory that Priscilla has that uh, somehow um, Wanda has absorbed all of the stones, um, the theory that I read online was like, what if because the stones, in essence, aren't physical, they aren't in existence, uh, that, in essence, unlocked supernatural doors that were closed because the stones were were in their proper form. And that's why some of these supernatural forces that maybe weren't around before, you know, they were able to walk through the door. And they're, in essence, on Earth. And, and maybe that's how they were able to track Wanda, whether it is that they're feeling her, the supernatural power that she's using, or uh, if she is, you know, a physical embodiment now of all of the stones, as Priscilla, um, you know, um, theorized, you know, 
that would that would uh, emit an, a great amount of supernatural magical power, and so that would attract some ne'er do wells in the supernatural world, and that might be where said person might have uh, you know arrived and started leeching off of that power. It's something interesting that I read. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't know that I, I buy that Wanda is the Infinity Stones. I do think, you know, if, if you think back to, you know, what, episode three, I think it was, when Darcy came in and said, you know, the uh, you know, the uh, the signal was overlaid on, you know, cosmic microwave background radiation. Well, cosmic microwave background radiation is what was present at the Big Bang, and the Infinity Stones were created out of the Big Bang. So maybe this is a recreation of the Infinity Stones. Mm, that's interesting as well. I don't think they're necessarily part of Wanda, but I think maybe their their energies are in there. And in the same way that you had all those people fighting for Infinity Stones before, uh, that might explain why, you know, uh, various powerful people are out there. You know, you could have multiple, as I say, you know, it doesn't have to be Loki or uh, Doctor Strange or anything like that. But there are a host of mystical characters in the Marvel Universe who might just be showing up, uh, you know, um, uh, trying to do that. So Exactly. Stay tuned, listeners. So now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. I'm going to go first because I hardly ever go first, and that allows me to pick Agnes. Catherine Hahn was everything. I, I loved that scene. It was a tiny scene with Agnes. I feel like this is the least we've seen of Agnes... Uh, since episode, um, well, it wasn't that long ago, but episode four, which was the, the the episode that was focused on the outside. So it was just a tiny scene, but Catherine Hahn sold it. Whatever it is that she was trying to sell, I'm still not sure. Is she an ally? Is she a villain? Was she manipulative? Was she trying to push vision? I don't know. And, and I think upon rewatching, we still really won't know until we find out who she is, what she's doing, and why she's doing it. But she was phenomenal in that scene. It, it was uh, such a highlight for the episode. I mean, there were so many highlights in this episode because it was just chock full of information and, uh, and, and of just um, really interesting uh, sequences. But uh, I, I loved Catherine Hahn, so she's my MVP. Professor, what about you? Who's your MVP and why? Uh, I will go with Quicksilver because I don't know what he's up to, but it's obviously something. And I just really, really love the way he played it. Um, you know, it, it was just, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's clearly playing two different characters. One when he's, you know, part of the show with the kids. Oh, another thing that I forgot to mention is that um, uh, earlier in the episode when uh, when Billy is doing his aside to the. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. To the viewers. Uh, yeah, Quicksilver is aware of that and is, is looking at him as he's doing it. And I don't think other people were aware uh, when these uh, these monologues to cameras were happening, Correct. which I think is kind of interesting as well. Yes, I was going to bring that up uh, when I was talking about uh, Pietro and, and my suspicions of him. But yes, I'm glad that you brought it up because I noticed that immediately. I was like, he's looking at him doing his you know fourth wall breakage. And I'm like, he's not supposed to do that. So he's, and, and that, and that led me to wonder, is that because he heard exactly what Billy said? Is that what inspired him to go and, in essence, save Wanda from Vision? Because like they were about, they were having an argument, um, and and then that's when he's like, oh, don't worry, you know, Uncle P's here, you know, I will take him trick or treating, you know, Vision can go do his thing. You know, was he wanting Vision to go do his thing? Hmm. 
All right, so now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 televisions? The point system is allowed. If you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden television. Professor, go ahead. I'm a bit torn. I didn't quite like it as much as the last episode for some reason. Um, So I'm going to give it 10 out of 10. I I, I wouldn't quite give this one the golden simply because, uh, you know, I I think that, you know, there are so many theories out there and and I feel that, you know, they're they're not giving us all the information we need, Um, but still damned enjoyable. And, you know, I've watched it three times. So obviously, uh, you know, it was enjoyable. Uh, Yeah, I'll give it 10 out of 10, which, you know, I'm, you know, saying it, it wasn't that great. So I'm giving it, you know, a near perfect score. Exactly. I will co-sign. I'll give it a solid 10 as well. A a really great episode of WandaVision. So many questions. Um, Maybe not as many answers, but it's certainly the setup for answers to come were all over this episode. And it was a great final installment of the second act of WandaVision. Uh, I, I... thoroughly enjoyed it and i thought everybody was fantastic so um on that note join us next time for a brand new installment of the avengers initiative wandavision here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us follow poppy chula radio on social media we are on facebook instagram twitter at poppy chula radio do you have any questions suggestions comments or concerns email us via contact at poppychularadio.com are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.